Hello, and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart. In this episode, we're talking with George Chang. George is a senior solution architect with Proficient based out of the Atlanta area here in the U.S. George, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Happy to be here. Kind of wanted to get you on. You are uh, you you were recently nominated for and received the recognition from Sitecor as a cloud MVP, which is kind of a, a you know first off congratulations on the on the recognition. Thank you. But it's also it's very indicative of the direction Sitecor is going. That uh, kind of how seriously they're taking the the the, the cloud platform. And I always I, I you know I kind of as a technologist one of those people that kind of smirks a little bit when you hear cloud. I think one of the better stickers I've ever seen is like you know. The the cloud is just somebody else's computer. Right. Um, but it, I mean, it is indicative of the direction Sitecore is going. And that's why I kind of wanted to chat with you just to kind of have people get exposed to what exactly, you know, what exactly Sitecore in the cloud means. Um, but before we kind of get there, kind of how did you kind of come to the Sitecore platform? And what's your what's your story of know, how you end up working with Sitecore? Yeah. Um, so my, my Sitecore story begins maybe about four years ago, um, I think around 2013. Uh, so Proficient always has always had kind of, uh, little, little things here and there with Sitecore where we actually had a smaller Sitecore practice that, that somewhat disbanded over the years, but, um, you know, bring the band all back recently. So about 2013, that's when, um, I actually did Sitecore training on 6.2, I think. So, Uh Uh, my my pedigree isn't as deep as some of you guys, but uh, I'm, I'll 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 take 6.2. Uh, so, you know, went to Sitecore training, and after that, like you know, it just kind of fell off for a little while, for about a year or two. Uh, never got to use it, and then we internally kind of discussed, you know, what what our strategy wanted to be for for the business unit here at Microsoft, the Microsoft business unit. Um, what, what we wanted to be and kind of what we wanted to do as far as a platform for things like marketing sites and public websites and things. Um, up until then, we were largely a SharePoint shop. I've sp- spent a lot of my years trying to make SharePoint not look like SharePoint um, for public websites and such, and that that itself is its own uh, battle. But uh, so we, we, we looked at Sitecore. We thought it was a great platform, and we, we kind of went all in. So um, for the past maybe two or three years, I've uh, been kind of all in on on Sitecore. Uh, we're we're growing a team here, and um, so it, and if it aligned well with what we've been doing, um, you know, we're I've been working on Microsoft Web Technologies for maybe ten years now, eleven years now. Um, so um, it, it, it slotted in really well with what we were doing, and uh, it provided an option for us to be able to talk, talk to customers about, hey, you want to do a public website? We have this great uh, content management system slash digital marketing platform that you can use. And here's all the cool stuff and bells and whistles that can get you there. So, um, that, that's kind of where it began and we've just kind of rolled on from there. Sure. Sure. And then kind of, as you started working with Sitecore in kind of, I think separately, how did you get interested in kind of your experience on kind of cloud computing? I'm, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and guess most of it is, is dealing with Microsoft Azure at this point. Correct. Yep. Um, mo- most of it is on Azure. Uh, so 
cloud has always been kind of these this underlying platform that we've been trying to engage well with um you know being being a microsoft partner uh cloud was one of the top priorities for microsoft for the past few years uh so we got a you know we were strongly encouraged to kind of uh pursue that route uh, and we found out that it was great, right? Uh, so we we actually historically had, um, you know, I, I came from a company called Northridge uh, that was acquired by Perficient, and we historically have uh, kind of done a little bit of everything as far as technology goes. So we actually had a, a hosting component to our business um, many many years ago, um, and it, it really, you know, we we dropped that part of the business just because there was. It, from a revenue perspective, it didn't make a lot of sense. And uh, but now with cloud, uh, it it brings a it's it's basically like hosting times ten, right? So mm-hmm. we don't have to host it; we help manage it. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of stuff that you can do on the cloud as far as processing and hosting. You know, it's not just hosting a website, but there's all these other services that you can tap into to be able to. Uh, to, to do things. And for us, you know, I think we started internally using Azure for a lot of our internal uh, servers and internal processes, uh, just so that we didn't have to spin up hardware. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was from a cost perspective, it made a lot more sense for us internally. And over the years, I think it just graduated to, you know, we, we need, we should be doing the same thing for our customers. Uh, so we, we've been kind of, uh, we've been working with Azure for quite a while. We kind of dog fooded it internally, uh, before pushing it out to our customers. But, uh, because of that, I think, I think we have a really strong background in Azure and, you know, me personally, I, you know, I've, I've been kind of trying to lead the charge with, uh, you know, using Azure as much as possible, uh, just because it's a really cool platform and the amount of investment that Microsoft has put into it and the amount of enhancements and improvements that come out at a regular basis is really cool. So, you, you know, it's not, you can definitely tell that there's a lot of investment. It's not like a dying platform or anything like that. Um, and they're, they're starting to do a lot of really cool stuff uh, with, with the platform. Yeah, I definitely, and that's been, that's been my kind of experience from the outside looking in. I mean, I spent the better part of the early 2000s working in Microsoft's professional services, and I talked to colleagues that are still with the company, and, you know, even they're kind of surprised at just how focused uh, Microsoft is on that. They, you know, they kind of have their their classic businesses of Windows and Office, and, you know, I remember a, a time when, you know, somebody had said that, you know, th- those the, the business success of that platform uh, is probably hard to duplicate. I mean, this the the sheer um, the, the the sheer penetration they had on, on on Windows and Office, and people can you know argue whether or not they they did it ethically or not. Uh, you know, there was that was that was argued in several forums. But it, it, looking at that, that they had really reached a growth point where you know they weren't going to grow their Windows and Office business uh, that much more. Um, they they've they kind of missed out on the mobile side, but they've really kind of doubled down on. On, on services. And initially, you know, you talk about like, it, it's now you don't have to internally proficient doesn't have to manage that hardware. And I think I, I, you know, in talking to people about Azure and just even, even something as simple as, you know, you look at, look at virtual hostings, uh, you know, even remove Azure out of it, of looking at say Amazon and their EC2 instances, or if you look at Azure and their, their virtual, virtual server instances, you know, if you go back, 
10 years ago when we were developing websites and you needed a, you needed a web server, you needed a web server for your website to run on. I mean, the, the lead time literally was weeks to, you know, place an order with Dell or HP, have them, you know, ship the server to you, get somebody to prep the server and actually, you know, put the, put the hard drives in, install the operating system and actually rack the thing. And, you know, it was, it was a weeks long process and, and not getting into kind of this, infrastructure as a service and platform as a service kind of delineation, you can get a, 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 an incredibly powerful server in a matter of minutes uh, with, with any of the, you know, any of the cloud providers, whether it's Rackspace or Amazon or, or Google or, or Azure. Uh, and that's, you know, it, for someone that's been in the industry that long to me that I've, I've always found that fascinating. And, you know, I was, work, I was talking with somebody else that's, you know, kind of a, a similar kind of similar amount of experience veteran of the industry. And it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that we used to have to wait weeks to actually get new, new hardware. And now it's, it's there within, you know, a couple mouse clicks of a, of a dashboard. Yeah. It, the, the scale, the scale of it is definitely impressive. Um, you know, what, what Azure can do, what, it, or any cloud service, honestly, um, the, you know, what, what these cloud services can do with just a few clicks of a button, right. You can get thousands, what would be the equivalent of thousands and thousands of dollars of hardware uh, within a matter of minutes, which is just, sometimes it's just mind boggling to me. Some of the, some of the things that, you know, you can, you can uh, provision out there. Um, and, and you so, only pay for it while it's live. So, I mean, right. I, I, I read an account of somebody that had, um, you know, a whole bunch of video that they wanted to transcode into another format. It's a, you know, computationally expensive process to do, um, takes a lot of CPU power and, you know, they just provisioned the largest instance of, uh, I think they were using EC2 at the time, that had something on the order of like 32 processors and yeah. ran ran the process on it. This thing, they only paid, you know, it, it chugged through all their video in, you know, less than a day. And then they powered the thing down and now they only paid for while it was running. So it's, you know, from a from a cost standpoint, it's a, it's a compelling solution if you have computational things that are transient like that, that don't need, you don't need that computation the whole time. Um, shifting gears a bit though, kind of looking at how does Sitecore, maybe you can kind of cover uh, a little bit of how Sitecore used to play in the cloud and, and, and kind of what is, uh, what is the solution that's there now? Sure. Um, so I, I think when we talk about Sitecore in the cloud, there's, uh, there, there's a number of flavors, uh, I think when Sitecore usually refers to the cloud, uh, they they talk a lot about their their Azure module. Um, so before Sitecore 8.2 update one, or actually before Sitecore 8.2 period, um, you know Sitecore had this module, an Azure module uh, that if anyone has used it, you would know the pains of it. Um, so they, but I mean it was pretty revolutionary at the time when they released it. I think it was back close to six something i believe it was actually I, I was looking at the history of this not too long ago and it was within months of when azure actually went ga with their cloud services and all, all this all the supporting services to do it so this is their platform as a service model um there was a module for it uh so you out of the site core interface you can actually deploy uh content delivery instances out into Azure and it would spin up cloud services. It would spin up um, Azure SQL instances. Uh, it, it would spin up a number, a number of things. Um, there were some bottlenecks and there, 
there were some things that you really couldn't do with that module. Um, you, for instance, you could deploy a content management instance out there into Azure, but you still needed an on-premises server. You couldn't be completely, uh, completely on-premises free and just completely cloud. Um, and you know, if anyone's tried to use it, you also know that six times out of 10, it didn't always work right. Uh, it took a lot of tweaking. There was a lot of configuration involved. Um, and it was, it was slow. Uh, it took a long time to get something deployed out there. Uh, some t- depending on your bandwidth and everything. I mean, it w- you were talking like hours, mm-hmm. uh, just to push, a, push a deployment. Um, and so it, it was a hard sell, you know, to be able to use that, you know, bring that to customers and say, Hey, you know, you want to host on the cloud? We got this great solution for you. Um, it also takes five hours to deploy any updates. Right. Um, so it, it, I think there were some limitations that was involved with that, uh, that made it a little bit difficult. Um, so since 8.2 update one, uh, Sitecore has released their new Sitecore Azure PaaS uh, module. Um, I think they just call it Sitecore on Azure for simplicity's sake. Sure, and, uh, and, but, and PaaS in that can, is, is kind of the shortening for platform as a service. So I think it would probably yep. be worth kind of talking about the difference between that where infrastructure as a service is kind of Azure provides all the quote-unquote infrastructure. It's more like uh, what people would think of as a virtual machine. Um, it's not a, uh, it's not bare metal hardware, you know, it's, it's virtualized hardware. Uh, whereas platform as a service is, is a, an abstraction above that, correct? Right, right. So infrastructure as a service, right? Like you said, it was, it's, it's actual virtual machines. You can remote into them, use them just like a regular windows or whatever OS, uh, desktop you, you have, you own all the power, uh, but at the same time, you own, you own all the maintenance. So it's up to you to make sure that updates are being applied and, um, you know, antivirus and uh, security lockdowns and th- things of that sort. A lot of that is more more on your plate, but you also get the flexibility of having the entire server to do what you want. Sure. Um, for a platform as a service, uh, that's it, it's been abstracted. So it's abstracted uh, various parts of the server have been abstracted into services. Um, so, you know, you don't get that, you don't get that flexibility of being able to remote into a server and poke around all the files and do what you need. But, um, you know, there's, there's an interface provided for you to be able to do the things that are related to that service. So for instance, with, <clears throat> with Sitecore on Azure, um, they have the Azure app service, Right. And this is basically just an abstracted IIS website. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So what a typical IIS website on a web server would be, this is, uh, you know, when you spin up a Azure app service, this is, uh, it can host all kinds of things, but one of the things is a, a website. Um, and so it spins up an abstracted IIS website and, you know, just like any other IIS website, it has all the typical things that go along with it as well as, as some bells and whistles that Microsoft has put in for, from a configuration standpoint. Um, so you can tell the, the advantages of that is, you know, now that you don't have to deal with the server and anything, you don't have to, you know, worry about windows updates. You don't have to worry about, making sure that antivirus and all this stuff, all this is handled by Microsoft and or whatever other cloud provider that you're using uh, services for, right? Um, there's there's a lot less overhead for you as far as a maintenance perspective goes, uh, a lot less worry. Um, so you can always be sure that security patches and all that stuff is all taken care of uh, ahead of time. 
Looking at um, kind of looking at the state of the art for for Sitecore, uh, looking at eight two and eight one. What um I, I guess what exactly does their the their Azure offering entail? I guess what is the you know if I if I wanted to you know consider is this is this right for my solution? What are um you know what are some things to consider there? Yeah. Um. So the anatomy of this new Sitecore on Azure uh, platform as a service offering that Sitecore has put out. Basically, all, all the your web instances are hosted on Azure App Services. So that, those are those abstracted IIS websites that we were talking about earlier. Um, search is not, no longer handled by Lucene by default, but also uh, it's handled by Azure Search. So that's their Azure's uh, search service. Also, uh, caching is done by Azure Redis Cache. So this is an implementation of Redis Cache in the cloud. Uh, databases are handled by Azure SQL. So pr- pretty much the entire uh, the entire platform uh, is running in cloud services, various cloud services, cloud offerings that uh, Microsoft provides yeah. in Azure. And I think the the thing that I, I guess I notice is if if you look at that, the entire platform, the entirety of all the not only do you have IAS where the website runs, but all of the other ancillary services that Sitecore needs to run, SQL Server, as you mentioned, Redis, Search, all of that is actually also abstracted onto those those app services as well. You're not there's very little that's actually running on what would be considered a uh, um, a machine that you could remote desktop to and actually, you know, manage from a traditional Windows standpoint. It's almost 100% virtualized services. Right, that's right. Um, and so what, one of the advantages of that um, is that uh, you're able to scale really easily. Uh, so all, since all these services are independent of one another, uh, you can s- scale them independently from one another. So for for example, um, you know, if you're, let's say you're a retailer and you have uh, you know, you, you have seasonal peaks uh, around the holiday season, for instance. Um, this is something where you're you're able to, because all your services are, sep- are separated, you can scale services independently. You may scale your content delivery servers. You may scale your, um, you know, XDB processing servers, but you may not, you may not need to scale your content management servers, and you may not need to scale search or whatever the case might be. Um, so th- one of, one of the real big advantages of separating them out like this instead of lumping them all into consolidated servers is you know you're able to you're able to scale up and scale out pretty 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 quickly and pretty easily uh independently of one another uh from that perspective it's a huge cost savings and uh a lot less headache right and i think the 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 key story is there you know if you have traffic that is very cyclical uh retail is a classic example most uh, you know just even from a revenue standpoint most retailers do all of their business in you know in q4 during the holidays um and naturally more business probably means more traffic to your website so being able to scale up and not have your site go down uh, being able to instantaneously do that now you're not paying for servers the entire year that you're only using say the last two months of the year right absolutely um, so I guess if, if I was interested in maybe trying to figure out if this is right for me or or um, kind of, I don't know, maybe kick the tires on this. What, what, what are the steps in getting started? Um, you know, kind of what is um, how is how is taking an approach of running Sitecore on Azure uh, different than, say, starting up a normal project? So first off, you'll you'll need an Azure account. Uh, so. 
you know, if you haven't gleaned from what our conversations have been so far, you know, Azure is kind of a pay as you go type of service. There's no monthly fee or or anything like that. Um, so sign up for an Azure account. It's free. Um, actually, if you're a new Azure customer, I believe they give you like $200 worth of credit uh, to, to start playing with, which is pretty neat because you'll have a lot of, uh, you can test out a lot of services with $200 uh, to, to be able to play with. Um, so you'll need that um, from a Sitecore perspective. Uh, you'll need at least uh, Sitecore version 8.2 update 1. So that's the first version that supports this Azure PaaS model. Um, if you go on dev.sitecore.net, you'll be able to uh, download that. And uh, there's there are corresponding Azure modules that go along with that. Um, for a super easy spin up, uh, Sitecore actually provides uh, Sitecore um, the Sitecore platform on the Azure Marketplace. So the Azure Marketplace works much like any, you know, if you think about it like a mobile app store, uh, you know, you know, in a similar fashion, there's a lot of applications on there that run on Azure services. And when you uh, click a button and it does all the provisioning and installing for you. Um, so Sitecore provides, I, I believe, both the, the just CMS only and the, the digital marketing platforms on the Azure Marketplace. So, uh, you can pretty much go to the Azure Marketplace with your Azure account, uh, you know, fill out a few things, usernames, passwords, uh, provide the provide your license file, click OK, and it'll start provisioning a, a brand new Sitecore environment in Azure, which is actually really cool. Um, so you, you can have a fresh Sitecore installation on Azure in about 20 minutes, I believe. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to get started is through the Azure Marketplace. Um, Azure also provides uh, templates to be able to deploy Sitecore onto Azure. So they call them uh, ARM templates. So ARM stands for Azure Resource Manager. Okay. That's that's the, uh, the the format and protocol that, to deploy Azure-related items. Um, so Sitecore also provides some of those. Uh, if you want to get into it a little bit deeper and you want to customize how things are being provisioned and deployed, um, you, you can look into those. Uh, but if you just want to spin up a new instance, you know, the Azure Marketplace is probably the easiest and fastest. Uh-huh. Now, from a from a developer standpoint, if I'm, you know, now I, I you know, we, we, we've identified that, hey, this looks like the cost effective way to, to host Sitecore for our site. Now we're going to start implementing the site. And, you know, maybe we're just we're taking a normal approach of, you know, we've got some designs, we've we've cut them up, we've we've gone through the architecture phase and defined all of our modules and we're we're building our, you know, our layouts and all that stuff. How, how do I get my kind of implementation code, but whether it's, you know, my renderings and layouts or any of the other kind of necessary code that I, I need to develop for my site to, to function. How does that, uh, how does that code get up? Is it, is it the kind of classic package installation or, or, or is there any other kind of, you know, considerations to have as you're doing the development of your website? Yeah. Um, so as far as, so there's kind of two parts to this. One is, uh, the planning and strategy of your website. Um, so on on the planning side, you know, Sitecore has done a really good job of making the PaaS uh, model, the the Azure mo this Azure model, very very similar to what you ex would experience from an on-premises standpoint. There's a handful of modules, first-party modules and third-party modules that aren't supported yet on Azure. So uh, WFFM Web Forms Marketers is one example. Uh -huh. uh, 
the email experience manager, print experience manager, I believe some of these. There's there's a list on the site core site. But if you're using any of those types of modules or are planning on using some of those modules, uh, the Azure App Service way of doing things probably won't be uh, probably won't be ideal since those modules won't be supported. Uh, you can still go the infrastructure as a service route and spin up virtual machines. Um, if you're planning on using some of those modules, they're not supported yet. Okay. Um, from a and then from that's kind of a, from a planning perspective. From a deployment perspective, you have a number of options. So um, you can you can set up deployments pretty easily from a Visual Studio project. Uh, so Visual Studio has extensions for for Azure. Basically, in Visual Studio, you can connect to an to your Azure account and uh, immediately basically right click and deploy to your Azure App Service. So from a for from a if you're just playing around in development, um, playing around that service, that's probably the fastest way. Uh, there's full integration in Visual Studio to deploy directly to to that service. Um, I think you just have to give it your username and password and uh, so select which service you want to deploy to. Sure. Um, also, there's there's also more automated ways. Um, you know, if you're using source control uh, in Azure, you can actually have the app service uh, kind of keep an eye on or basically put a watch on your source control so that if any commits go into a certain branch, uh, it'll kick off an automatic deployment into your app service. App services are also tightly integrated with uh, Visual Studio Team Services. So if you're using that for your kind of software lifecycle management uh, for your builds and releases, that that also uh, has really strong ties into Azure App Services, and then you can deploy directly from there from a from from a release definition in there. Um, so there's there's a lot of different options. Um, if you're not using any of those things, uh, there's all, always good old FTP that it handles. Uh, so you can FTP and, and drop your files in. Uh -huh. um, so uh, there's there's a number of options, kind of depending on what your goal is. Uh, so you know, from just kind of messing around in your own environment to a full blown uh, DevOps strategy, uh, there, there, there's a number of ways that you can really use that use the Azure App Services to do deployments. Nice, nice. Yeah. So it sounds like you know there's there's some very low friction ways, but then there's you know additional ways that if you need to do, as you mentioned, if you've got a DevOps process to automate uh, automate deployments as part of a larger kind of uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment. Um, situation then that's available as well so it's and that was that was you know in my experience going back to the Sycor azure module you know what you were talking about before that was kind of one of the the roadblocks i know one of my customers ran into is that thing couldn't be automated all that well so right. you know when you we could we could get everything built and get it to the deployment server but then somebody had to actually log into the desktop and launch the module and actually deploy it out to the production servers so it was um that was in my head that was one of the, the the greater shortcomings of it it was it was not very automatable right Yep, absolutely. Um, and kind of with this whole, uh, you know, I like to call it the DevOps renaissance that we're kind of experiencing now, um, you know, this uh, cloud services play, play a huge part in that. Um, so being able to, you know, manage this entire lifecycle of your application from from development, actually from planning requirements all the way to production deployment um, and access all this through the cloud, uh, you 
you know, it's, it's pretty powerful to be able to use these services to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess one other kind of thing is if I'm, if I'm looking at this, what are, I mean, what are some common pitfalls that you've seen other people make as they kind of, is, is there different kind of considerations you need to, uh, weigh while you're developing your solution, knowing that you're going to be running on Azure, um, you, you kind of mentioned there was, you know, a couple things, you know, a couple modules aren't supported yet. I mean, web forms for marketers is a key one that I think a lot of people use. And then, uh, I've, I've heard that, uh, email experience manager eventually will be, but is not currently supported today. Uh, but I know Sitecore has got plans to support that, uh, in, in a, in a future version. Uh, I don't think they've indicated which one yet, but I know, um, you know, the indication is that they, they will, but so if, you know, say you're, you're still, Okay, that you're you're fine with the module constraints that you know we're not using EXM, we're not using Print Experience Manager, and we're not using Web Forms for Marketers. I, I guess as you're developing your solution, is there is there other things to kind of keep in mind or to, some gotchas to keep away from? There there's a couple of things. Um, mostly, I would say ninety percent, ninety five percent of your development is just going to be the same as. Um, you, what you would typically develop for on-premises. Um, so, um, you know, if you follow things like the Helix standards and Helix guidelines and everything, uh, you know, you're, you're generally in pretty good shape for the cloud. Uh, there's, there's actually very minimal uh, differences kind of deploying to the cloud and deploying to on-premises, which is kind of nice if you ever wanted need to do a migration from on-premises to the cloud. Uh, there's there's very little work, if any, that needs to be done. Um, there are some considerations for some of the uh, some of the services that get used. So, for example, um, Azure Search has some limitations uh, as far as what it can do functionality-wise. It's not necessarily a full-on feature parity with uh, Lucene or Solar, uh, but it does it does scale really well. That being said, you know Azure Search isn't your only option. Um, it's been Sitecore uh, has done a good job of basically abstracting that out in a way that you know you can switch your search provider however you'd like. So if you know if you still want to use Solar. Uh, you can still set up a solar server and connect your Sitecore instance to it. But uh, I do know that Sitecore Search has some limitations as far as what it can do. The It still uses the Sitecore Search API, but uh, I believe there there is some uh, limitations on you know all, all the functionality that go along with Azure Search. If you're just doing kind of simple site search, it's not a big deal. But if you're uh, doing some very convoluted, uh, very complex things with search in your Sitecore application, uh, it, you may run into some of those roadblocks. Gotcha. Otherwise, I don't think there's really a whole lot. Uh, that uh, There has been some concerns about... Um, just the ability for for the power that Azure App Services bring. So I know, so if you use virtual machines on uh, on Azure, and I, you can kind of mention mentioned this earlier, you can get some really powerful virtual machines, right? Thirty two cores, you know, one hundred twenty eight gigs of RAM, some you know, all SSDs. You can get some pretty powerful machines. Um, Azure App Services, the standard Azure App Services, uh, without going into the the premium tier is maxes out at uh, four cores and uh, seven gigs of RAM, uh-huh. which sounds pretty pithy for uh, for you know if you're running a pretty large complex application. Right, right. But uh, you know you do get the advantage of being able to scale out uh, with much many more instances of that. Uh, but I, I think if your your application is large enough and complex enough, that might be be a bottleneck. Um, so, but on the upside, you know you can't really do an apples to apples comparison because that four, those four cores and seven gigs, you're not looking at, 
anything that has to do with the OS or anything that has to do with, uh, you know, there, there are no other things taking up any of those resources, only your application. Yeah, definitely. That seven gigs is your applications to to deal with. Whereas like, um, you know, I think we may think of a server that's only got seven gigs in it and, you know, it's got to run the windows kernel. It's got to run, you know, all the other stuff that comes with windows, like that's seven gigs of dedicated space for your app. So it's, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say it's not a, a apples to apples comparison. Right. Right, exactly. Kind of wrapping things up, I you know, like it sounds like the the cloud is great. Um, but I guess what are some kind of legit reasons we might not want to consider the cloud? I think you 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 covered a couple that you know maybe some modules that we're dependent on. You know, we're we're really set on using web forms for marketers, or we you know we our our marketing strategy really um, really encompasses using email experience manager so that we can do email marketing that's that's personalized and tie that back to. Uh, functionality on the website so you know the the email experience manager is a non-starter we're going we're, we're going to use that so we're we're still looking at doing on-premises i guess what are some you know i guess some other concerns uh you may want to uh take into consideration that you know might rule out running on azure yeah um so kind of to clarify your point a little earlier right the, those, those limitations are more for the platform as a service Offerings for for Azure, you can still run on the cloud. You would just need to set up VMs, and then you can. Uh, it would be no different than your on-premises installation. Um, as far as kind of more general cloud uh, fears, I guess um, there there's a lot of them. Uh, some of them are may may not be uh, may not be justified. Uh, so definitely one of the first things that get brought up gets brought up is security, um, which is actually very interesting because. Um, you know, if you you look at it from a more holistic view, security in the cloud is actually much better than what you can do for your own data center, right? If you're owning your own data center, I think there's a there, there's a false sense of security of, well, if I control everything, then it's going to be better. Um, whereas, you know, you have a company like Microsoft or Amazon or or Google who is, you know, they they have to protect their hardware at that point, right? Like if if there's any kind of security breach or anything of that sort, it's going to affect them. Directly, and that's going to be a loss of revenue for them. So they're they're much more invested with much more resources to be able to handle things like security and um, compliance and all those things. Um, so compliance is another thing um, which is starting to fade away. Actually, a lot of these cloud uh, cloud providers have become compliant with a lot of these uh, major compliancy organizations like HIPAA and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, I know Azure has a separate instance for, for government type uh, hosting. So they're, they're making provisions for that. That's outside of the typical public Azure web. So there's, they're segregated off that way. Uh-huh. Um, so they're, they're, the strides are definitely being made to kind of meet some of those compliancy things. Um, but otherwise, you know, there, there's, there, there are some things where, you know, I can't, whether it's a, you know, company mandate or, um, you know, there or, or something internal, that's typically what the, the hindrance for, for cloud is, right. They, um, you know, our executives don't want to go to the cloud or, uh-huh. you know, our customers are scared that they're, they're, you know, they don't want to go to the cloud because they're, you know, they're, they're fear, they're, they fear privacy reasons or, or whatnot, or, you know, it could just be, you know, there, there, there's regulations on where they can keep their, keep their customer data, right. It needs to be on a server that is, you know, in this state or in 
um, you know, in this country right, right. Uh, that for, from a regulatory or a tax perspective uh, that that might stop them. But otherwise, from a technical perspective, there's actually very little uh, limitations as far as, you know, using cloud versus not using cloud. Uh, a lot of it's more on the political slash uh, compliance side. Yeah, or, or skill set, I would guess. You know, if you have, yeah. uh, you know, your IT group is 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 very used to running their data center, uh, as you as you indicate, it's, you know, that, that it's an additional cost on top of, you know, just having a data center of, uh, of taking the security of that, um, you know, to the to the the level that it needs. If like, as you mentioned, if there's certain compliances that you have to meet, whether it's you know PCI for e-commerce or or HIPAA for healthcare information, um, you know, you you definitely have to take in the physical security of your servers uh, if you're going to run your own data center. So it's definitely um, uh, it, it does run the gamut. And I, I think as you as you've indicated, a lot of these cloud providers um, have heard that. Um, you know, they, they know that that is a, a very common thing for a lot of their customers. I mean, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft does a lot of work with healthcare organizations. They do a lot of, you know, a lot of work with financial services uh, organizations and and medical devices and pharmaceuticals that all have these kind of compliance issues of of where this customer data is stored. So from a from an infrastructure standpoint, um, a lot of that is covered. And I think you 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 do have to do your due diligence when you're looking at uh, at using one of these providers uh, to see you know is this gonna is is this gonna work? But I, I don't think it adds anything more than what it would if you're hosting this on on premises as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of it is just uh, this general fear of the cloud, which um, I, I don't know. I think the market is, has been has been adjusting um, over, the, over the past maybe five years. There are definitely companies who a lot less num- – the number of companies that are uh, against the cloud or are um, – wary of the cloud uh, are, ha, has dwindled over the years. Um, a lot of large organizations who would say, we're never going to the cloud, uh, you know, they're, they're much more open and much more receptive to, to, to this now that uh, they kind of see the benefits and they see the cost benefits, they see the technical benefits, they see uh, all, all the other things, the security benefits of, of the cloud. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a much more, uh, much less reluctance to, to take cloud as an option for, for their businesses. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks again for joining us, George. I think we're kind of running up on time here. If um, people wanted to find you online, I guess, what's, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yep. Um, so I'm on Twitter at uh, Sitecore George. I'm also, you can also find me in the Sitecore Slack channel. I think I'm Sitecore George there as well. Otherwise LinkedIn, George Chang mm-hmm. and, and uh, blogs. You do some occasional blogging on the Proficient Microsoft blog. So that's at uh, blogs.proficient.com slash Microsoft. Um, there's a lot of good blogs in there, uh, only some of which are mine. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of good good information about just Microsoft technologies in general on those blogs. A lot of really smart people write some really good blogs on there. Great, great. Well, we'll get those linked up in the show notes. Perfect. Well, again, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here on Core Sampler, and uh, thanks to you listening there at home or in your car or on your walk or doing the dishes or whenever you listen. I, I, again, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, the, I, I do this for for the audience out there, uh, and if you've got any, you know, if you want to 
see us cover something in particular, or do a particular part of Sitecore, uh, definitely reach out. Uh, my email is info at coresampler.fm. Uh, that email will go directly to me. So if uh, if you got a, an idea for a topic or something you want to hear or you know particular uh, particular person you want to hear from, definitely reach out. Um, you know, I uh, I guess I'll put the challenge out there. You know. Uh, send us an email and let us know that you're that you're listening and um, and or any sort of topics you want to hear. So uh, again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.